most of my employees would say the counter decreases their productivity. Yeah. They get annoyed. Oh, I was in the middle of this quote. I had to get up and help this, this person. But I think it adds to the overall productivity of the employees because it, it forces that, like you're talking about, it forces them to really dial in and get things done because they don't know when the next meteor is going to strike. Welcome to the Get Wired Podcast, presented by CED Vero Beach. Join us as we make new connections, share our outlooks on business as well as life, and provide a new look at the wholesale electrical supply industry from the inside out. This is the Get Wired Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Burkhart. Hey guys, welcome back to the Get Wired Podcast. I'm bringing back Travis Rowland, all the way from episode number five, where the microphones didn't record properly and the audio was terrible. If you guys remember that episode, we're back live. Not really live, okay, but we're back and we've got better audio and we're going to deep dive into some topics that we're both very fond of in terms of uh, day-to-day organization and tips and tricks that we use personally that uh, help us get through the day in a little more organized fashion, make sure we're staying on top of our goals. So we're just going to jump right in with Travis Rowland from Mercedes Electric. Welcome, Travis. I know you've been listening to the NAED podcast on uh, Lighting Up. What's it called? Yeah, I've been listening to that. And then I, I went more into the, the Get a Grip on Lighting guys. Mm-hmm. I subscribed to theirs specifically because I saw, I guess, they had partnered up with those guys. And they had like little snippets, which I thought, were their podcasts. They would be like 11 minute or 15 minute episodes. And then I realized they had their own podcast where they had like full length, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole of listening to a whole bunch of those. And, and, you know, they were pretty good. Um, Very interesting. Uh, I don't know. What is it? Michael and Greg, I guess are their names. Have you listened to any of their stuff? Just a couple. I tried listening to that one that you sent out this morning, but um, I haven't, haven't made it there yet. It's pretty interesting. Um, I, you know, they, they're very passionate about lighting. Um, as independent guys, they, they talk a little more freely than maybe you or I might. Mm. Um, In what know, ways? Uh, well, as far as uh, they're a little freer with the language, I guess, than you or I are going to be on this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in some cases, it's not bad, but uh, there are definitely a couple times I was like, whoa. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but they, you, you know, can they, swear, you can let it all hang out. This is, this is a construction podcast, man. Right. They, <laughs> they go after people a little bit and not, not super specifically, but they, they're very opinionated and um, they're kind of not afraid to voice that because they are passionate about things. And uh, it's been pretty interesting listening to them. Um, I've, I've sent two or three of their podcasts out to my team. Just, you know, lighting is obviously a huge part of what we do. Um, and it's one of the more interesting, in my opinion, parts of what we do. I mean, you know, wire is great. I love selling it, but it's not the sexiest thing to talk about. You know, uh, not many awesome innovations coming from the wire side. There's only so much you can do to a point. Um, well, so lighting is kind of fun. That's ironic coming from you. You're like the wire right. man <laughs> of South Florida right now. So yeah, we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> So that's interesting that you'd say that, but uh, I think there are a lot of innovations. Like there's different ways. I think a lot of contractors are still doing like a really old school way. Like they get the wire, they roll it out in the dirt and they, they pull it through on like a pickup truck or a tugger or something that's like true. that. That's true. And I guess the Chinese aren't going to be spying on us through our wire that we know. Whereas, you know, maybe with the, the internet of things and the connected lighting, that might not be the case. You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know if you've been following um, what's that show I, I, we were talking about before? Years and years. Yes. They do get the internet through the wire of your house. So. Oh, they do. I no, haven't gotten to that one yet. There's, awesome. there's no more modems or anything like that. It's just I'm like sure everything's just connected to your copper. <laughs> but you know that was actually a problem in the. Um, I went to this museum. It's like a spy museum in the D.C. area. And they had this piece of rebar, like this whole cut out of a wall. And it was from the embassy or U.S. embassy in Moscow. And the uh -huh. Russians were tapping the rebar in the whole. They, they were like, oh, don't worry. We'll supply you with the rebar and the concrete for the place. And they used the rebar as a sound system, like even back in like the 60s and 70s to, to spy on the U.S. Like the whole oh, building wow. had to be ripped down. And then they made a policy change. All material, every single thing you buy over there has to be shipped in from the U.S. And wow. Because of that, yeah. So it's 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 very possible, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, I follow that stuff a little bit um, from afar with like the Huawei phones. You know, our government's banned those for government employees. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, the bell's been rung. I mean, anybody that has a Samsung TV. I mean, they had that that thing. I don't know, a few months ago or a year ago, where they were saying the Samsung it was picking up conversations from your house. I don't know. And and. You know, Jeff Bezos signed a $600 million contract with the CIA to host their servers, and, and who knows what else was in there, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. But we have an Alexa in our house, and uh, I think about it all the time. I mean, she's, she's listening all the time. But yeah, yeah. The worst part is when you're watching something on the news or something like that, and they're talking about Alexa, and then Alexa chimes in, and you're like, <laughs> and now that like, the news is talking to my Alexa, they're doing it on purpose. They mention it way too often. Right. We have, we have Alexa at our house, but it's the one where you still have to push the button to talk. I mean, I'm under no illusion that, that <laughs> that's any safer, but at least it prevents that from happening. You right. don't get the nuisance trips, I guess. Uh, yeah. I still think she's listening all the time. Like, I think my phone is listening all the time. Yeah, you know, I, I, I saw an interesting thing that was talking about how um, it was also it was on Netflix. It's called uh, Hacked or Hacked World or something like that. But uh, they were talking about how, like, the idea that you, you'd be talking about something and then it comes up in your searches or it comes up, like, it autofills your Google or it yes. comes up in your ads or something like that. Yes. And the, the thing that he mentioned, I guess this guy studies it. He's, like, a professor at some colleges. He said it's not that they're listening to every word you're saying. It's that they know, based on your prior search histories, what you probably are thinking about next. And so they're guessing, based on all this data, like, you're the type of person that you've made this connection, so you're probably about to make this connection. And here's some ads and the answer to your Google question. Because if you're Googling something and you try to Google something tangential to it, it knows like almost exactly. Like pe yeah. people who have Googled this have then gone on to Google this. Like 90%. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the algorithms are getting really good. And I mean, let's be honest, we're very predictable. Yeah. As a I mean, we really are, all of us. We think we're interesting, but we're not that interesting. Right. Not as unique as we think we are. No. Well, how do we use that in our business? How do we hack that algorithm? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, honestly, I'm kind of going the other way lately. Um, I'm almost looking small picture. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's probably not super exciting and a little bit boring, but I don't know. The more I think about things and the more I, I take in and I read and I see, and I've been to three different lighting manufacturers in the last two months, I guess. Wow. And you see all this stuff that's coming out and some of it's really cool. And they got a lot of smart people working on things. Um, and I've seen very neat things and very cool things at every place. Nothing that's like, 
gonna blow you away just maybe better versions of what we have or something has got a little twist on it or whatever sure but nobody knows what's gonna stick i think we're all in this you know spot where there's a lot of things that sound cool and there's a lot of things that are cool but that doesn't mean they're gonna translate into dollars or business or sales um i feel that way about a lot of the internet of things stuff right now i think it's really neat and maybe can translate into our business on, you know, the, the stuff they have where you're monitoring the commercial buildings and the people can see, Hey, you know, this light bulb is at, you know, 80% of its life or whatever. So we may want to go ahead and pre-order some so that we're ready for the thing to go out and we know how much energy this is using and you can use it to conserve energy. I think those things are cool. Um, and actually useful, I guess, if we ever get that really out there. But a lot of the stuff that I've seen that I've played with in my house, it's just sort of stuff that's like, oh, that was cool. And then I don't really think about it again. And I don't want it really to even be a part of my daily life. Yeah. It is kind of like a cool one-off kind of deal. And then uh, it, it's it's kind of like, what? okay, what's next? And I agree with that because I think that uh, for municipalities, governments, large commercial entities, it makes a ton of sense to know when these things are about to expire or, um, you know, if a life-saving device at a hospital is about to fail or something like that, or, you know, that that's useful to know. But, you know, if my toothpaste is about to be out, I don't really need a little chip in there talking to my modem and ordering more toothpaste. You know what I mean? For real. I mean, I, I've got internet fatigue at this point. <laughs> like, there's too many passwords. There are too many things I got to remember. I'm not to the point where I care that I have to go in and flip the switch, you know, like right. I don't really have to have it on my phone or like make the living room turn purple or, you know, like how many times are you really going to be using those things? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's cool again. Like it's very neat. Yeah. Eight year old me would have been like, wow, <laughs> you know, but I don't know how practical it all is. Yeah. We just did a job where they ordered it was something ridiculous. There was like different cove lights in each room and they were all RGB. And I was just like, it was it was thousands of dollars and i'm like what are they gonna yeah. do like they're not all synced together and even if they were you're gonna like you're gonna have like an epileptic like seizure disco every night at your house <laughs> yeah. like different rooms are on different sequences and maybe it's pulsing the music i think they did buy some dmx controllers and stuff and it's like you're, you're gonna use this one time and you spend all this money when you're just gonna want thirty thousand k up there the rest of the time yeah well and the get a grip guys we're talking about uh, I know you've read and seen a lot of the same stuff I have with like how the the LED lights, the white light, it may be interrupting our circadian rhythms sure. and potentially causing negative health effects. Um, and there are early studies out on that, but they're by no means definitive yet. I mean, they got to go through a lot of peer review and we got to have more data and more input. And so, you know, now you have people coming out with all these things to mitigate this problem that we're not, we think might be a problem, but maybe it's not. And so we're supposed to all jump on that. And then, you know, then what, I don't know. I, I I'm out of the early adopter stage at this point. I think, you know, I, I keep an eye on it. You know, it's interesting. I, I yeah. want to kind of, you don't want to be ignorant to everything that's out there, but I'm scaling back. I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's been a thing for a couple of years. I mean, how long has the iPhone had the, uh, the, filter when it gets night nighttime or whatever and now samsung right. has it of course and um you know the bulletproof guy um dave asprey's had those light blocker 
Actually, I bought a pair of just orange sunglasses you can wear at night. Yes. So when you're using your technologies and stuff, and I, and I think it does help because it keeps everything dim. But when I first moved into my house, um, a lighting rep hooked me up with uh, a bunch of A19s that don't emit any blue light or white light at all. It's all yellow. And uh-huh. and then in my office, I've got some that are all blue and white for daytime. So they actually use them in the space shuttles to simulate you know, the changing of changing of the time for the day. So people, you know, melatonin starts to increase and they can go into more rested state in those evening periods. But I do think it's, uh, it's hard to know, like the, if the target keeps moving, like what, do we, what should we really be focused on? You know? Yes. That, that's how I feel, it, especially in regards to lighting, which I guess is kind of moving the fastest as far as what we do. Um, I guess, I don't know, I mean, gear, you know, there's some interesting things coming out with the uh, smart breakers and that kind of thing. Um, the pipe and wire, I, there haven't been a ton of <laughs> a ton of things innovation-wise, I don't think. I think the point is that like it's up to us to, to stay on top of this, and that's why the, the relationship between us and the reps has become ever more important, and the relationship between us and the customers. Um, you know, we always talk about disruption and, like, people – are afraid that this industry might not even exist in 10 years and things like that. I think that's a bit dramatic because of these things coming out. I mean, I can't tell you how often we, we bring something to a customer that's at us is now commonplace and we've been selling it over the counter for a year and a half. And they're like, wow, that's really cool and innovative. Where did you guys get that? Right. right. You know, and it's, it's like, man, these guys are really, there's no platform to reach them and to, to get this information in front of them. If we're not out there selling it, showing it. Not very true. And, and, kind of bringing a full circle that's sort of where i'm going back to now is just double redoubling down refocusing on really the basics just hey let's make sure that we are maintaining that relationship let's strengthen that relationship just us with the customer instead of maybe spending too much time getting distracted by all the latest and greatest and new things and worrying and wondering oh is home depot going to take all of our customers what is lowe's doing what are they doing at the pro desk What's the newest, greatest thing coming out? I'm more, I'm trying to ignore a lot of that now. and Just kind of, what is the health of my business? You know, where are we at with our customer base? Who's mad at us? Who we need to talk to? Um, because at the end of the day, without that, I mean, none of this other stuff matters anyway. And I think that, I mean, I'm just speaking personally because I know I'm the personality type that can get distracted by all these other things. And I tend to, to kind of just think big all the time and and worry about the whole thirty thousand foot view all the time and probably not enough about the the ground level view, and so I'm really trying to dial it back and just sort of go back to basics and take care of those type of things and and try to filter out as much of the noise as possible right now. Which for me is hard because I like to distract myself with all of these things. It's easy. And everywhere you look, there's something that's going to pull your attention to it by design. You know, like people go to work every single day, you know, 50, 60, 80 hours a week with the intention of getting you to be distracted, you know? Yeah. And so it's really up to you to insulate yourself because no one's going to do it for you. It's going to be the exact opposite. They will, they will continue to use that against you. Um, even the emails you write, like, I don't know if you've been using this, this Google Gmail. Whenever you write something in Gmail, it tries to guess what you're about to say next. It's kind of yeah, scary. I've been, I've been noticing. It's pretty yeah. accurate. It's pretty accurate. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Another time. pretty good. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you could have a whole conversation with somebody and you're not actually typing a single sentence out. You know, it's just, 
it's guessing what you're going to say and then it's guessing on the back end what they should say. And I mean, it's really, I think it's time more than ever to like really reach out and touch your customers, like shake their hand, get in front of them, take them out to places. I think that's something you guys do particularly well in Mercedes is like the, the outside sales involvement with the customer. Right. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, but of course I'm hypercritical. We can, I don't feel like we do it enough, you know, but you have a quite a bit of outside guys too. So I do, I do, but uh, you know, you don't, but then you see a lot of your customers come in your building every day. Yes. I'm, I'm jealous of that. You know, that <laughs> it'd be awesome if, if we had that, if we could really just see some of these faces every single day, that'd be amazing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And we definitely don't take it for granted in Vero Beach because when I opened Palm Bay, it wasn't like that. We had to go get all these people out and to come in and just like, you're, you're literally bribing people to just to walk in the door and check out this new beautiful place that you built just for them. Right. You're like, dude, I built you this playground of electrical supplies. Come check it out. Take a tour. <laughs> you see these empty shelves? These are for things you tell me I want you want you to have in stock like every day. And I see this truck. This is just for you to be delivered. All these employees are now on your payroll, but it costs you zero dollars. Right. It costs you the difference between what I pay for a lock nut and what you pay for a lock nut. And that's hard to convince people. And in Vero, man, they just come in all day today was crazy all day just nothing no, no time to do anything else but i'm going to see palm bay for the first time on thursday that's right i'll be there friday coming up friday nice yeah actually we're um we're pretty much i feel kind of bad we're going like skeleton crew and vero for the whole day because uh it's tough to get people to go up there on a holiday weekend so yeah this is a uh tough weekend for an inventory i feel bad i take responsibility because when the schedule came out it was still my profit center and I guess nobody flipped the calendar to September and realized that we're off on Monday. Well, we're used to Labor Day being in September, so I wouldn't have thought of it either because, I mean, I signed up to be the observer. I never checked to see if that was Labor Day weekend because it was just August still, so I didn't even think about it. Yeah, and then by the time he, we realized it, I think it was just too late to change it. But they're doing well. I mean, in startups, it's, it's cool to see them come from where they were a year ago, like literally just a year ago. Um to where they are now i mean they're, they're busy every day they've got trucks going out multiple times a day everyone's throwing stuff in their car and making deliveries and um man the service is just they're so service oriented like everyone there is just very right. focused on the on the goal and uh and you feel it like you feel it when you talk to them you can see it when they talk to customers like customers are starving for that they're thirsty for it um i think if you can if you can provide that and then sometimes it's best to like let a customer go back to what they were doing or go to a com go to a competitor because they realize like how much how much more superior you are to them in that regard yeah. but um it is tough i mean how much of your business would you say walks in the door versus goes out the back um uh 10 percent, maybe wow. i mean i'm guessing kind of but that's probably pretty close wow. we have a pretty active counter for us it's definitely improved over the last four or five years it's not like yours, but it's pretty steady. Like there's, there's typically at least one person there, you know, we're not going to get this big you know, occasion. We'll have four or five deep and we'll have to bring people out to help, but that's, you know, maybe once a day that happens. And then the rest of the day, it's sort of, you know, there's a person and they leave another person's right behind them for the most part. Yeah. So it stays fairly active, but uh, I mean, we're still very heavy delivery company um and I, I don't 
foresee that super changing. I mean, I want to get the counter as active as possible, but yeah, down here with the roads, if I was a contractor, I'd be having all my stuff delivered. I wouldn't have my guys, unless they lived right next to the supply house, I wouldn't have them wasting their time. Right. Driving over to us, getting stuck on the Palmetto, you know, I mean, I wouldn't do it. So not when you're doing it for free. No, of course not. Essentially. Um, yeah. But there are places here that have way more active counters than us. So, I mean, we're going after that business and we're trying to, to, to take some market share there and we can definitely improve. But I think even if we got where I wanted to get at best, maybe we could get it up to like 20, 25% of yeah. our business. Maybe it's yeah. still gonna be mostly, you know, directs or, or really us, our trucks. I mean, it's so hard to even write a direct anymore. <laughs> but I mean, you guys do have an awesome showroom and it, it looks really nice and you've made a lot of improvements to it. And I think you should, you should be proud of that and, and, and advertise that to people and get them out there and like, let people know like, Hey, this is a welcome place to come in. I think the warmth aspect of a counter and a, and a business in general is very, very underrated. Like people are like, oh, it doesn't matter how it feels. It's like, no, it absolutely matters how it feels. It's gotta be bright and warm and inviting and smiling, happy people everywhere. You know? Well, and I think, I don't know. I, I, I place kind of a premium importance on the counter. Um, argue with some other managers about this a lot, you know, because some managers really see the counter as a high value proposition and some don't. And I understand the ones that don't, if you're talking about, you know, five or 10% of your business, I can see where you'd be like, eh, you know, who cares? Yeah. Um, but to me, it's not even just the, the profit that we get from the counter or any of that or the sales. It's, it keeps, it keeps it alive sort of here. I mean, if we didn't have this constant flood of new people coming in the building, it would just be us looking at each other all day. I mean, there's something about having this traffic and the new people and I don't know, some of the same faces every day. It just adds something to the business that I feel like is hard to measure. Yeah. You, know? you don't really see it on the paper so much as you do just kind of in the energy in the building and, and maybe my inside sales team works a little bit faster, has a little more pep in their step because they had to come up and help with the counter and there's just activity and there's buzz and there's things happening. You know, you go to like some of these call centers or, or a place that maybe I've been to distributors that just do strictly industrial and almost never have anyone come in the building and they might as well be like a software company. Yeah. And that's fine. And some of them are very profitable and do a great job, but the atmosphere is like, Oh, just shoot me, you know, whereas if you have a pretty lively counter, it just, there's something about it. It's just, you know, it just keeps everything flowing. It keeps people moving. And I feel like there's so many intangibles there that are hard to measure that, um, that matter, that matter to our business and matter to the employees. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think it's very valid. I mean, there's, there's the energy and the buzz and like, I think you've mentioned something really important. The, the sense of urgency that your inside guys get when they go back is like, they realize, Hey, I could get interrupted at any time. So when yeah. I'm doing this quote or I'm doing this, this purchase order or whatever, I need to be focused on that and get doing a good job, make sure it's right. And it's, it's, it's done as quickly as possible and I'm not wasting any time and uh, getting to it and moving on. And because at our place, like, everyone can see the counter and everyone has to get up and react to it. And if not like, literally bells start ringing we have like a push button underneath the thing and um 
or we get on the page, they're like, hey, we need counter help. And, you know, I, I went out to pull an order this morning, came back in, there were six more guys there. And I was just like, oh, boy, like, <laughs> let, let's get some help in here. And started pushing the buttons and making the calls. And all of a sudden, we were all up there helping out. And um, and if you can handle that and, and perform that action and get people out of there quickly, like, that's such a difficult skill to to replicate for your competition. And something Dan, Dan Byers mentioned. Um, it's just very, very high barriers to entry for your competition to come in and try to take that from you. Well, it keeps you very intentional, like you say, and what you do, because you know you might get interrupted. So it's so easy to meander around or to get lost in a thought or whatever if if you don't have, you know, the phone ringing a lot or people coming into the counter. And, you know, I, I've been making a big effort for me to kind of live intentionally as, you know, we, you and I read a lot of the same books and do a lot of the same things. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to live intentionally you and I read a lot of the same stuff and I know you've seen and probably I'm assuming try to practice living intentionally because it's sort of it's easier to get a more a little more meaning out of your life that way um, instead of just kind of rolling along, I guess. Um, but that sense of urgency, I feel like makes our people work intentionally um, and it really just sort of adds to our productivity, I think. I mean, I feel like most of my employees would say the counter decreases their productivity. Yeah. They get annoyed. Oh, I was in the middle of this quote. I had to get up and help this, this person. But I think it adds to the overall productivity of the employees because it, it forces that, like you're talking about, it forces them to really dial in and get things done because they don't know when the next meteor is going to strike. Yeah. I think that it's, it's, it's incredibly important because, um, everything we do is like really small chunks. Like a quote shouldn't take that long. Like most people send a materials there. It might take you five minutes or whatever. And if you can do that intensely and focus on that for five minutes and just focus on that, then you can go back to, you can switch gears and go to something else. I'm sure you've heard that. Like it takes some people say up to 15 minutes to enter a flow state. And then if you get distracted by something to another 15 minutes, I think you can train that to be a lot faster. I, I know I can because something will happen and you can't just take 15 minutes to get back into the flow state of, right. of doing a PO or a quote or something like that. Um, because if you're getting, you're going to get interrupted again before you get into that next 15 minutes. Um, but I think you're right. Yeah, I, I could see that. It may take a little bit longer. I don't know if you could train yourself as quickly if you were doing something creative. Maybe you can. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'd say you certainly could to do what you're talking about, like to, to just jump back into a quote. I think, I definitely think you could do it faster than that. Yeah. I mean, there are creative aspects to what we do, but for the most part, it's like a lot of, a lot of intentional, like we want to get this, this thing ordered or get it back to this customer and having a system, like, I don't care who's listening to this. Like you got to have a system that works for you. Like my system is I come in in the morning, I, I write my goals down for the, my overarching goals. I write three things I'm grateful for. I write a statement of who I want to be today and something I learned yesterday and something that I taught somebody yesterday. And and then I use that the rest of the page, which is still quite a bit, you'd be surprised, to take notes for the whole day. And I don't leave until everything's checked off or move to like the next day's notes. Right. Um, so I don't know. Is that what you meant by being intentional or like, did you have a different definition for no, it? No, very much so. I've been, I'm on, I don't know, attempt number 10,000 at getting organized and figuring out what works for me. And I'm doing the bullet journal now, which uh, I'm sure you've heard of. I don't yeah. know if you have practiced it or know a lot about it 
I, I just know that I'm sure you've heard of it. <laughs> is that uh, Minka and Alex? Um, what's their last name? Whose journal is that? The is Bullet it? Journal? That, well, no, it's I bought the book. I can't remember the guy's name that started it. But it's essentially, it's not rocket science. Um, you know, you just get a, uh, you know, your basic little notebook. And the thing that's genius about it, the thing that I could never, because I'm a pen and paper person really at heart. I just am. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I like to factor in a little bit of the technology. You know, I'll still, hey, Siri, remind me to do this. I'll still do some of that stuff. But you know, if I really want to get things done, I just, I like seeing it in print. I like writing it out. I feel like it helps me get there, but I can never figure out a system to where I could keep everything together in a notebook because you're so scattered. And the genius thing that this guy came up with is you just write an index and it never, <laughs> you number every page or you can buy the, the nicer notebooks, have all the pages numbered, like the little, you know, I have it here. It's my little red notebook has all the pages numbered and so like whatever if i have a page i want to title podcast ideas mm -hmm. you know that's page 12 i'll just go to my index and write 12 podcast ideas and then if you fill up that page <clears throat> and you got to go to another page you know maybe i'm on page 40 of my journal now i'll do podcast ideas i'll go back to the index that's now on page 12 and page 40 I mean, it's mm. it's a genius maneuver to keep everything in just one spot, no matter if it's work or personal or ideas or creative or you're just your daily task log. It's unbelievable. I mean, it is really the most simple, crazy thing. Um, I mean, it has millions of people doing this, I'm assuming, at this point. It's like a table of contents. Yeah. It, it, that, why that never cross my mind it's like such a simple thing you know that you would think that yeah. it changed the whole game and what? i think this is going to be the one that that wins for me nice because i really like it and paper aspect of it and it's really working and i i just i don't know i love it um so i'm hoping this is finally my productivity cure i've tried everything i feel like at this point um yeah but this, this one's working out pretty well so far and it's really the repetitiveness of it because each day, sort of what you just said, you have to either, you know, put it on to the next day. It sort of forces you to rewrite all the stuff that you didn't get done. And yeah. so really you will just finish something so you don't have to write it again. <laughs> it's like I have written this 10 days in a row. I cannot physically write this one more day. I'm just going to do it today. I have to get it done today. Or it's not important enough. So right. Or so it doesn't why, make why, it to the next obviously day. Obviously, it doesn't matter. Let me yeah. just cross this off. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of the metric. And I think at the end of the day, it has to be something that works for you. Like it, that could work for you. To me, I use, if I have multiple things going on like that, like podcast ideas is a great topic. I, I have a note system on my phone. And for some reason, for like really short bullet points, I'm okay just writing it in my phone under different groups. But um, when it comes to like what we do every day is like keeping track of phone calls coming in, like customer needs something or an order or something that I notice is wrong in inventory I got to fix. Like you, you got to get that idea out of your brain on the piece of paper or onto some sort of platform that you can yeah. later on check it off and recognize that it's done. Or you're going to get the next idea is going to pop in your head. And I've just learned my memory is way too valuable. Um, and that the the I, this condition of like the next thing just keeps erasing exactly what is 
possibly the most important thing. Yes. Um, but I think we do so many tasks that take under two minutes that you should just do a bunch of two minute tasks at the end of the day that just bang it all out. And so you don't I have agree. to write it to the next thing. It is disgusting sometimes how I'll have written something like eight days in a row <laughs> and then I'll do it and it literally takes like 90 seconds. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it makes me want to run through a wall. It's like, like, why do I keep writing this? Yeah. You know, I put something together when I was working in restaurants that um, when you take, I think we talked about this, or I know I've mentioned it before, when you take an order at the table, if they give you appetizers and drinks and the drinks are from the bar, like go to the, go ring it up, the drinks for the bar, hit send, and then open the thing back up again and put your appetizer order in and then hit send on that. And then go get the drinks and bring the waters out or whatever. Like get things working in the background as quickly yeah. and as humanly possible. And because we, it's not, we're not an island, we rely on other people. So there's reps involved. There's pricing quotes that need to get back from vendors. There's, you know, if you need tracking, like get that information out as quickly as possible. Do not procrastinate on anything that doesn't immediately come from you intrinsically. So, because people need time too. It's not fair to ask somebody to do something right away every single moment. So that's, that's one metric I use on, if it's something outside of me that I can't personally go hunt the information down, I do that. It's a top priority because I need that food cooking in the kitchen while I'm getting the drinks, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's smart. It's hard too. Like I, I like what we do. You know, I like our job. Um, that doesn't mean I'm good at all the parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at some of it. Yeah. It requires us to be sort of a large filter. You know, we have all the tons of the stuff coming in and we got to figure out where does it go? Do I need to handle this? Do I need to push this on? Do I need to ignore it? Do I need to, you know, whatever, where it's a million phone calls and emails. And I'm really bad at filtering these things. So I, I, I have to have help. Like I have to figure out a system to where I can make myself at least passable with that because it does not come naturally to me. There are things that do come naturally to me that I bring to this job that I'm good at and that they come easy. And then there are things like that, or there are things like, you know, I'm, I'm a big picture kind of person. I have grand ideas and visions, not the best at squeezing every bit of profit out of the P and L, you know, yeah. <laughs> like really dialing things in and oh, let's, let's tighten the screws here. <laughs> not great at that. I have to work hard at that. Or, or outsource it. Yes, one of those two things. Well, so, or work hard at trying to find someone to outsource it. Well, so you have a lot of employees. Uh, you have at least twice as many as we have here in Bureau, full-time anyway. So um, how, what systems have you learned to be effective when it comes to delegating for, for anybody, anybody that's a new manager, trainee, or somebody that's been doing it for 10 years like myself? Well, for me, and I will preface this by saying that I'm a terrible delegator, it's... <laughs> I've been doing this for 14 years now and I have gotten better, really gotten better this past year, pretty much out of, out of necessity. Uh, there's just been just too much, just too much information, too many things coming in. It was driving me insane. And so I just have had to force myself to get better at it. But I mean, the first key is, well, first you have to do it. So for me, someone who's really bad at delegating, sometimes I have to read through my list of things to do that I've already written down like two or three times. And, and I'll look at each one specifically with the thought in mind of who can I get to do this? Mm. And sometimes the answer is I have to do it. Sometimes it really is. Yeah. But if I, if I really think about it pretty hard with that intent, like who, who should I give this to, then I will end up delegating more things than maybe I normally would have 
but I have to specifically be like in that frame of mind, looking at my list and really trying to really trying hard to throw those things out. That's step one, at least for me. And then step two is you have to have whatever works for you, some type of follow-up system to make sure that they get it done. Yeah. You know, for me now, it's the bullet journal. I mean, I, ha I have a delegated page <laughs> in my index. And so it's all the tasks nice. I delegate migrate to that page with the person's name, you know, who I delegated it to. And each day I'll follow up on that page and make sure they got it done because it's pointless to delegate something if, if they're going to drop the ball on it. So for me, that's sort of working right now. Um, you know, follow-up is the key though. And that that's one of the things that I've struggled with in trying to find some type of system to follow that up, yeah. whether it be technology-based with Evernote or Wonderlist or reminders on the calendar or whatever. I've been going crazy with trying to figure out how to best alert myself that I need to follow up on somebody else on some task I've delegated to them. And you can kind of go insane. So, you know, you really got to dial it in for you personally, but you have to have some kind of follow up system. Well, because a lot of people and I, I definitely made this mistake even recently is when you delegate to somebody, you think, OK, I'm, that's done. I'm, I'm done with that. Yes. When really you just started a whole nother process. And yeah. um, you do have to follow up on it. My favorite, I think we've talked about it, is the uh, the right click on an email you just sent. Or now I figured out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago that you can actually do the follow-up or before you even send it. So um, it's one of the options at the top of Outlook. You can follow up and add a reminder for, usually for me, it's the end of the day. So that if, or like I'll, I'll put like 6.30 at night. So when I come in the mm -hmm. next morning, it's one of the first things that pops up. Okay. And it like takes over your whole screen when you open your email, like, hey, these are your, your follow-up list for today. And then I, if I haven't gotten a response overnight, I immediately follow up with that person the next morning. Like, hey, just looking for this price. I know I sent it over at 4.30, but the customer needs it back. Just make up some whatever he needs it back for 10 o'clock or whatever you got to give him some sort of deadline yeah. i think is also important with the delegation that's a good point that's a great point and give yourself deadlines too although it's hard yeah. to trick yourself if you know the truth but sometimes it works yeah. well i don't like when customers send you a list of material and they don't tell you especially like a lighting quote where they're going to ask what the bid date is so I always try to get that information from them. And I'm like, hey, just make something up. You need it by the end of the day, you need it tomorrow. Or one thing somebody taught me a long time ago is always ask how many and how fast. So um, customer comes in and says, hey, I need this weird electrical box. Okay, that's going to take some research. How many and how fast? Because that'll let you know, like, is this a huge priority? I got to stop what I'm doing or look at it. Is it a huge moneymaker? Am I going to make a dollar on this? And he doesn't care when he gets it. Or so it's a low priority thing. Um, but also, when you do delegate to somebody, I just did it today, you break down the steps that they need to go through that you would probably go through, especially if it's something they're not super familiar with. And the last step should be, let me know when this is accomplished or what the outcome is. Yes. Because sometimes they won't necessarily follow up with you because they don't think they, it's important or you, that you need that information. Um, yeah. Because the worst thing is to follow up with somebody and they take it the wrong way. Like, you don't think that you trust them or whatever, and they've done the job and they just never told you that the loop was closed. Right. But really it's like, no, that's still in the back of my head. I need you to tell me it's over. Yes. So let me stop this train in my head from going because until, until you say it's done and the customer satisfied and orders it or whatever, it's still not over to me. Um, How are your employees with email? I feel like I need to do an email class and I feel like I'm only recently able to. What do you mean? Even impart any knowledge on people because I think my email habits used to be terrible. You know, I used to be a folder person. Oh, I'm not a folder person. Yeah, I'm not now. It took 
Pete, the DW, Pete Moore. Shout out to Pete. He, uh, <laughs> he spent like a year and a half trying to talk me out of my folder system. And I finally like took the plunge and my life is a lot better now. <laughs> and I, I don't, for the first six months, I, I just did not trust the search feature enough. I just like, oh yeah, I know that I'm not gonna be able to find this or whatever. <laughs> and I always could, and it was never a problem. And I was like, man, I wasted like half my life with these stupid folders. Oh, I know, I know one person that comes to mind that's a big folder believer, um, Mr. Mike Shapiro. He's listening, and it really? works. And it works for him. I think at the end of the day, you find something that works for you, and you work it. It's just like, you know, a plan only works if you work it. Like I think that's an AA saying actually. But uh, if if if, they, if it works for addicts, it works for everybody. So um, it, you have to find something that works for you, and then just continually do that until it becomes second nature. And I've tried folders, especially for like high end or high value customers that like maybe I've missed a couple emails from and I don't want to miss anymore. It just doesn't work for me. I can't think of a good reason anymore to have one ever. I really, I've tried to. I was like, <laughs> what is the reason I would need this folder? And they're really, I can't think of one. And I used to be, I would have fought to the death defending the folders. <laughs> so were and, you manually putting them in there or were you setting up rules so that it automatically fed into there? Oh no, it was all manual. I'm a oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. That I know. is awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've you've turned a corner on that. I I don't I know, know enough about it. We could probably bring Mike on and do a whole show about email folders. I believe he breaks it down by like different PC numbers. Um, so he'll have a, he'll have a whole folder on just Mercedes and a whole folder on just Vero. And right. So, so when something comes in, he just either reads it and assigns it to that folder, or it automatically assigns. I don't want to speak for him. I don't know his his system. Right. I know for me that everything backs up to my Gmail. So, um, yeah, well, everything comes through my Gmail anyway. So um, I get it on my Outlook, but it also goes on my Gmail. So if I can't find it on my Outlook, because it deletes a lot more often than my Gmail, the Gmail is kind of like the catch-all. The search function is a, a hell of a lot better um, than Outlook's is. And it uh, it allows me to catch things that are like super old, like I've, you know four or five-year-old things that you have to know you have to put good information in to get good information out, you know? Right. Right. Um, so some keyword or some distinguishing thing about that job or remembering that it had an attachment or, um, but in terms of like email, I think for the most part, man, I, I think we've turned a corner with one customer just because of the way that we reply to emails. So if you're going to do an email course, like make sure people's emails are fun, they're energetic. They come off as confident. Um, you know, it's not, oh, let me see if that's available. I'll look into that. It's like, got it. Get right back to you. Exclamation point, smiley face, whatever you want to put in there. Like have right. your emails be like your phone calls where like if you call the same place and they're always super down and lame and right low energy and pissed because it's Monday morning. Like that happened to me this morning with a vendor. And I was just like, geez, like that was a terrible phone call experience. I got the information I needed, but she's miserable. And right. that makes me feel bad for bothering her. Um and you can have the same effect with emails, just being like, if you just write K with your signature or REC apostrophe D with your signature versus thanks a lot for the order. Really appreciate it. I'll get you tracking on this as soon as possible. Um, I think always saying thank you in an email for when somebody's giving you money is, is a huge deal. Yeah, I would agree. I, and we have a lot of vendors that just say received or um, received in processing or something like that. Never say thanks for the order. Uh, I just have personality. Be yourself. Yeah. 
let it shine through. It's not a text message, so don't be too informal. Be sure to to have some energy to it, and uh, and honestly, who cares if you don't feel that way? You know, they don't know that you're sick yeah, or have it in a shitty mood or whatever the situation is. Like, just act like as if you are in a great mood and you're super excited to, to look up this quote request for them. And you'd be surprised that they're going to be more willing to interact with you via email than somebody else. If it's, if it's all just the same. Are you looking at emails all day or do you break it up in certain segments? I'm a big believer. I don't check my email unless I can do something about it. So I won't check email um, when I'm out on the road and stuff like that. No notifications go to my phone uh, for email. Um, I, I tell all my biggest customers or anybody that's had an issue with that, that, Hey, if you send me an email, I will check it. I'll pull over and I'll do it. It's a, it's, it's not convenient for me by design. So send me a text, call me. Um, but then when I get to the, when I get to the PC, like days where I'm working the PC all day, I feel like my flow is broken up enough where I don't batch it. I just, as I get back to the desk, uh, start from the bottom, work my way to the top. Yeah. But Batching, I, I batching like most speech. of the world seems to respect that email is not urgent. And if you really need something, you got to call or text. Yeah. I think phone calls are immediate because it's live. Um, texts are within an hour and, or unless it's avocado, then five minutes. Right. Um, and then emails, you have the business day to get back to somebody. So 24 hours. But you should let somebody know by the end of the day, like, hey, I've gotten this and I'm working on it so that they're not thinking about it the next morning. I think that's that's the respectful way to do it. But you have up to 24 hours to reply to an email. That's that's my personal stance on it. Um, most of my best customers that I personally deal with, uh, the top, right now the, their customers one and two are pretty much just one guy and they're, they're teams that deal with me directly and I deal with them almost exclusively over text, phone calls, email as like a confirmation of what we talked about kind of thing. But... It's a, it's a useful tool. I mean, it's a great way to get a lot of information over or, or to have a record of a lot of information that's kind of official. But it can also get lost in the noise really quickly. Oh, big time. Like, how often has somebody just been like, oh, I missed that email? And you're like, some people are offended. Like, how could you miss an email? It's like <laughs> hundreds are coming in a day. I'm missing 1%. And I'm not even missing 1%. I'm missing like one every three or four or five, ten, 10 days or whatever. It's like 0.1% of the email. It just happens to be yours that I missed that one time. So I, I don't know. I think it's it's got its limitations for sure. Um, having alerts come in, that's a big one. Right, we're really going deep diving on emails here. But uh, Yeah, I don't know where that started, but here we are. One customer that I, I did, we had a tra trainee transition out, and the emails were going to him. They got lost. The customer was upset. I said, listen, I'm going to take you on as my account. They're not a huge account. They come like once a week. They order a bunch of direct ship stuff. It's pretty low maintenance. Uh, but when they do send stuff, I want to make sure I get back to them right away. So I made them a special rule that their emails pop to the front of my inbox no matter what. So I come in the morning. I might have three emails from them. Some of them are just saying okay or thank you or some of them are huge quote requests. So uh, any major customers, I'd have that rule in place. But uh, it is what you make of it, man. It's, it's Everyone's got their own systems and processes that work for them and yeah, I need to deep dive a little more into the, the I guess, the possibilities, the functional possibilities of Outlook, you know, like making the rules. I mean, I you know, I vaguely know how to do all that stuff. I've just never, just never done it. I've there's never, there's probably a I ton would. that I don't know about too, man. It's it's probably a great program that we use, just very surface level. Right. But We're using not as much of Outlook as we use of our brain. 
About 10%. Yeah. I think that the follow-up, there are flags and I don't use the flags. I only use this reminder because flags require you to go back and look to see what's flagged. And that doesn't make sense to me. I'm not going backwards. Um, yeah. Um, I'm a market on red kind of guy. So if oh. it's on red, <laughs> I haven't handled it. You know, I know I still have to handle it. That's, that's the only way I can do it. I feel like if I start using flags, there's all the different colors. Yeah. I for what colors, what, if it's just, if it's on red, it's on red. I still got to deal with it. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you something. I know that the listeners can't hear this, but uh, I'm gonna share my screen with you for a second, just so you can see what we're working with here. And you can talk to me about avocado while we're doing it. So two two notifications popped up right away, um, and then you can see I have 2,600 unread messages. Oh my god! And look. <laughs> But I get a lot of emails like this is all today. This is all today. Up until have, up until I here. Have a heart attack with twenty six hundred unread emails, I wouldn't even be able to handle it. But not all of them are important. Like I'm not gonna read these Luchon ones, or this quarantine one, or you know what I mean. Like it's not they're not all important for sure. But how do you keep it? How do you know what you've looked at and what you haven't? Or like how do you know? I don't know. How do you, like, uh, what if it's an older one? What's your system? I don't, like, I don't, like a, I don't miss them unless I do. <laughs> <laughs> You're like next level. I, I got to figure out how to, how to get to there. I'm, I'm only recently out of the folder game. So I'm not quite to where you are with all the thousands of unread. That's still causing me too much anxiety. I do have to keep my Gmail at zero. For some reason that bothers me, but, um, outlook i'm okay with it but you know i take something and if i hang up with a customer on a phone call i write down what i need to do if i get an email from a customer i write down what i need to do even if it's just the customer's name and a note to remind myself so that it's it's right there next to me at the end of the day i can't leave until it's either checked or crossed through with a thin line Uh and then um because i know you can sometimes sometimes i'm hanging up my phone my cell phone and i'm answering the landline or vice versa or somebody walks into my office and is waiting for me to hang up the phone. And as soon as I'm done hanging up the phone, they're going to start talking to me about something. So there's no time to actually do that two or three minute, 90 second activity. I just need to write it down really quick. Um, right. So I'm a big, big believer in just getting it onto your daily notebook. When I carry that daily notebook, it's it's 10 pages I print out every two weeks. So it's, it's like a, and I put it in a clipboard. It's very, <laughs> it's very low functional. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it's so basic. But I don't know. You got to find something that works for you. And, and and I think that I I probably work a lot more in the business. Like I'm actually like actively at the counter and, and doing quotes and pull, right. pulling orders and cutting wire and loading trucks and stuff like that all day. Because that's the kind of PC that we're in. But right. I think at your level, it's actually more challenging because you don't have so many of like the instant gratification. You know, you're not you're probably not taking orders over the phone and going pulling them to the warehouse and not a lot occasionally but not a lot do you have customers that you handle pretty much exclusively or not anymore um i used to have a couple but i've since delegated a lot of that off to other people and they're developing those relationships and i still i'm still pretty heavily involved with one although i'm not the primary day-to-day contact anymore I'm just in there for the big problems and collecting the money and that whole thing yeah. and maintaining that relationship. Um, but yeah, and actually, I mean, as part of my whole back to 
basics thing, I'm, I'm really looking to dive more back into that aspect of, of my job as opposed to staying out of it. Well, I think I wish I'm trying to do the opposite. I'm trying to get more to your level so we can trade a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah. Because I spent a lot of time doing things that make me really good at doing those things and don't give the people in my profit center the opportunity to learn how to be better at doing those activities. It's so like a really complicated lighting quote or an item that nobody seems can able to seem to find. They get frustrated and bring it to me and I find it, get a price on it, get it back to the customer. I'm not teaching that skill set to anybody else after the fact. Um, there is no, there's no fishing. They're just being handed fish and, and the customer too, you know, same thing. So it's so hard in that moment when you're trying to get all the stuff crossed off your list, <laughs> it's going to take twice as long to teach them how to do it. Yeah. Than you to just do it. But then the next time, maybe they'll get it done. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's a hard deal. I'm still working on that myself. I think our job, and it's worked really well in Vero, is to go out and get new business and then bring it back in, do it ourselves for a while. Um, as Dan says, you know, uh, learn something, do something, teach something. So yeah. learn this customer, learn how they operate, learn their business model, and then do it for a long time. Get really good at it. Get them to trust you. Get them to trust CD, the whole program, and then teach somebody else how to handle that. And it's worked on some of our biggest accounts that have really risen up. I just can't seem to do it with these last two that are our customers, number one, two, because I have a personal relationship with the owners and, right. and they're the ones doing everything. And, and I think they would just, they'd be more uncomfortable. Their guys come in and order stuff from the counter all the time. That's not a big deal, but the bigger projects we're always involved one-on-one -on -one with. Right. Um, but I think it's 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 selfish of me really to be doing this stuff every day because it's taking the opportunity for somebody else to learn and grow away from them. Um, it is. It doesn't feel that way in the in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I get a rush off it. At the same time, I'm like, man, I, I can't believe I'm working. I'm doing all this like these tasks that anybody could do theoretically. Um, right. But but at the same time, there is this like rush of like this is important. The guy's trust to me to do it. Um, and you get a you get it, that instant gratification, the dopamine release of getting it done and crossing it off your list and moving on to the next thing. It is very satisfying. The crossing off is very satisfying. Yes, it's all. I think that's why I love the pen and paper because it's it's not as satisfying to like punch a little the screen of your phone, <laughs> like check that little box or whatever, or slide left and delete. That yeah. just, it reminds me of the old uh, it was a Seinfeld or something where he, he was saying like. You know, you can't, it's not the same when you get in an argument on the phone because you can't like slam the phone down. You can't like scream, you know, yell, curse somebody out. And then it's like, Beep. yeah, exactly. <laughs> not satisfied. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. It just works for me. And I think we're, we're both in the same age group where we are kind of in that mix between technology and the paper world. And the next generation is just going to be all technology all the time. I don't know. I don't know why that makes me sad, but it does. <laughs> What's something that, that's happened recently that's been harder for you than you expected it to be? Something that happened recently that's been harder for me than I expected it to be. Like something you brought in, a new initiative or a new employee? Or... Well, this, uh, this wire thing that we have undertaken, yeah. I don't know if it's been harder than I thought because I, I anticipated it would be you know, fairly difficult, but it's been hard. Yeah. We've had a lot of uh, challenges I didn't foresee. You know, it, it turns out that you need a lot of reels 
Um, if you're going to bring in a lot of color feeder wire and parallel wires for everyone, it takes a lot of reels. Way more than I anticipated. And, like hundreds and, of reels. Yeah. You know, fortunately and unfortunately, we got some really nice orders right at the very beginning and we did not have nearly enough reels. And so it was a scramble. You know, we've since fixed that problem. But uh, so many things, you know, the, the brand new machine we had blew a fuse. Um, that was a pretty easy fix, but it, you know, it gives you a meltdown for about an hour when you're thinking, I just spent, I don't know how much this thing was all in, thirty or $40,000 on this new wire machine. Oh We've had God. it for a month and it's not running now. <laughs> Fortunately, it was like a simple, stupid, easy, easy fix and everything was fine. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's, it's been rewarding at the same time, you know, adding this, this piece. I, I feel weird even saying adding that piece because I still don't don't feel like we're as good at it as we need to be. My my system works pretty well because I'll identify an email, not to cut you off about the wire thing. I'll identify it happened today. I'll identify an email where it's like, okay, where did I call to get this price? And I found the email was on like August sixth or whatever day that was, and I just go back to my notes that are in a drawer because I don't throw them away after the two weeks, and then found the phone number right next to it and called them and got it figured out. But right. So I mean. If I weren't in my office, it would kind of suck. But well, you get a lot of stuff done, so I don't think I think your system works pretty well. I'm trying not to mess with it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really trying to bring other people up to, to be better at and to help more. I think they would feel more empowered. I think that's that's really what our jobs are to provide opportunities. So, well, you know, speaking of, that's another thing that's that's harder than I expected it to be is both finding i guess the time and expending the effort to find quality employees and then interviewing interviewing is a lot harder than i thought it would it would be you know just when you think about it i didn't spend a whole lot of time when i was younger thinking about being on the other side of the interview process yeah but if i had i don't think i would have thought it was very hard you know i mean you have the leverage you're in power it feels like that wouldn't be a big deal. You're just talking to somebody. It's very hard. It's very difficult to to interview well. I'm not good at it still. I know that was something we talked so that, about before on the podcast. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a very difficult thing. Um, it's definitely a skill set. I feel like you have to get reps in and practice on before you're even passable at it. You know, one thing that uh, Tyler mentioned on last week's podcast was that he went to some NAED training where it was it was more sales training, but they did have like a sit down and and do role playing, like prospecting and, and calling and they'd video it and play it back to you and like, oh, you see how your body language was like this when you're doing it. Um, we could probably use some sort of training like that for interviewing and because I always say it's 15 minutes, but this person could be there for 15 years if you say yes. Right. You know, <laughs> like, right. and you're trying to make a decision on this guy and he's wearing a gold plated suit that for the first three months he's going to work there. Yep. And then over time, that gold is going to flake off and flake off and it's going to be all lead underneath it. Well, do you feel like, and this could totally be a personal problem, I'm sure it is, but I have a really hard time with those like set up situations. Um, what's the word? The uh, Staged. Yeah, like a staged, okay, I'm the customer and you're going to be the salesman. Yeah. And here's what we're going to do. 
I always hated really those. I can't, I just, I can't get out of my own head and like get in the situation and take it seriously enough to really, I feel like get anything out of it. Cause we did some when I was in the training program. I remember like going out to Westlake village with Gunny and yeah. those things. And I was just like, I, I feel like I got very little out of that. And it's not because it was a bad setup or he wasn't good at it. I, it's a personal thing on my part. I'm, I'm so terrible at, getting out of my own way and, and kind of I guess embracing it and really really getting involved I just I can't do it I well cannot. like one of them was like you have a contractor you've been working on and he finally brings you like a big project and then how do you handle that and so like yeah. it, it, it is kind of it's very forced obviously like it's it, it's okay right. we're gonna start right now action um and it's acting it really is acting but I think it's more, especially with the video being like you could you could video the interview and be like, hey, we're recording this as part of our our new training thing that we're doing for internal yeah. purposes. Anybody that wants the job is gonna be like, okay, cool, no problem. Or you haven't sure. signed sign a release, or you know, I have a camera in this corner of the room. Like if I put audio to it, you know, they, they wouldn't even know. Like it's just <laughs> right. We have a sign on our door saying you're being videoed and audio recorded anytime you walk in the building, and that that's blanket to at the whole place except for the bathroom. So. Um, I think it's just expected nowadays. Like it's not that big a deal. You could do it and just be yourself more naturally. And, and once you forget about the camera, yeah. Um, but I definitely agree. Like those those setup ones are kind of, I don't know. I see they have a point, and and Tyler seemed to take something good out of it. So it's kind of what you they have a point too. I I just feel so inept. <laughs> I just can't. Well, so what is it about the interviews? Are you, uh, you, do you feel like you talk too much? Like you don't oh, let. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably talk 80% of the time. Yeah. A little opposite of what you should be doing. So like you don't spend enough time hearing from the candidate. You're, you're talking too much. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I end up trying to sell the job way more than they're trying to sell me on why they would be good at it. I'm trying to like, it's like, I'm trying to sell them on, please take this job. <laughs> like this is a great job. You know, I mean, I, I just think. One of the reasons we have this job <laughs> is because we're outgoing and gregarious and, you know, we, we're a little bit natural salespeople, especially if we believe in something and, and I just, that just turns on. And do you feel like you're doing that more as far as like the more challenging the job is or like the less paying it is perhaps like, uh, I'm across the board. I'm okay. from that sales, same. I mean, wow. this, you should work here. Yeah. This is great. Are you doing all the interviews, first round, second round, all that? Um, recently, no. I've had, uh, you know, we have an opening in Ala Mirada right now. And so, you know, I told the guys down there, hey, you know, you've got this, you know, flood of applications coming in or a minor flood down there, I guess. Um, you know, get me your top five or your top three. And then I'll talk to those three people. And then I do the same now that I have Alvaro in like an operations management role. I'll have him, you know, filter out most and maybe get to the top two or three. And then I'll come in. But we're not doing it enough. It's another thing. It's a numbers game. And, you know, because it's not immediate in your face need right now. It, it doesn't make my list most days. You know, I should be out there. We, I should have a constant posting. I should be interviewing a couple people every week, whether we need them or not. Yeah. Getting the reps in and seeing if you find the right person, because you always got room for the right person. 
What? Know, and I just, I'm not doing it because nobody's screaming at me to do it. And people are screaming at me to do the other 30 things on my list. And it's really just an act of will. You just have to force yourself into making it important. And so far, I've been very unsuccessful in doing it. What if you just had a set time every week? Like, this is the time I, like, Mondays at 3 o'clock is usually the time where I'm doing podcasts. So, like, people are learning to expect that I'm going to be up here for an hour, hour and a half. Um, and it, it, I could very easily replace that with, instead of interviewing you, interviewing, you know, candidates and testing them and stuff. That would be a very good idea. I think uh, just having that consistency. And, and, and the Monday minutes is huge for that because you could be like, hey, guys, here's the new initiative. Here's what we're doing. Um, something that most people probably benefit from is just kind of laying out how your week's going to go and, and the schedule and very few surprises at that point. I mean, yeah, that's a great idea you had. I'm glad I stole that. <laughs> I, yeah. ho- I hope more people do. It's not my, I mean, ideas are worthless. It's they're a dime a dozen, but doing yeah. it every week helps a lot, I think. And, and people will learn to expect it. And, and, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't missed one in a long time because I think it's so powerful. I don't want, I wouldn't want to miss that if I were an employee right now. Yeah. To be with yeah, I wouldn't either. And I have noticed, you know, I, I put, you know, in this recent one, I put that podcast link up, like, hey, check this out. And I've been to three people's desk today and they were listening to it. So it's like, okay, all right. You That's know, cool. Pay attention. They're, they're listening. Yeah, it's, uh, it, that shows they want to learn. They're not doing it just, oh, Travis is coming. Let me put this on real quick. It's like, no, right. this, this is something that is going to make their job a little better. They're going to think about something a little bit differently and, and perhaps take a different tack on something. But um, I was going to ask you at the very beginning when we were talking about podcasts, when do you listen to most of your podcasts or where? Probably a mix between commuting and gym. Yeah. That's the most common answers, I think. But I think that's the question I always get is like, where do I find the time? And it's like, well, you all have the same amount of time. You just have to do different things. Right. Um, so instead of listening to the same five pop songs and a new Taylor Swift song that just came out last week, I heard it's amazing. I don't know. Right. Um, you could listen to something that could possibly give you a slightly different perspective and change your entire life and change your relationship with your spouse, change your relationship with your boss, um, give you a new idea on how to attack a customer from an industry you don't even work in or care about. It's just somebody mentions something and you're just like, wow, that actually does apply. Or that reminds me of this situation where I wish I'd done something differently. And Yeah, I mean, almost everybody has at least a 15 or 20 minute commute. I mean, down here, that would be that's in the low end. Yeah. So I mean, at worst, that's, you know, 30 to 40 minutes a day. You could be plugged into something. Learning something. Learning right. a new language. Or anyway. Yeah. I mean, I have an eight-minute commute. So if if anybody, I pick, like, certain ones. Like, I do this quote of the day one that's actually pretty good, and they're usually pretty short. But, uh-huh. but if you don't finish it, you get out, and you, when you get back in your car at the end of the day, and you're driving home, you still remember where, basically where you were. Yes. You know, so it's not, it's not like you're, you have to start all over again or find something that fits your exact time frame or whatever. Um, I, I, I can't listen to them. I, you know, some people can, well, they think they can, they can listen to them while they work or while they, I, I'm not that person. No. I have to be more dialed in than that. Yeah. But well, I mean, I definitely look for places to listen to my podcast because I love listening to yeah. podcasts. So, you know, it's like, ooh, I'm going to do the dishes while I'm putting a podcast on while I do that. Or I'm going to cut the grass. You know, I've got it on under my, like, noise-canceling headphones. I'm listening to a podcast. All those moments I'm yeah. listening to. It's huge. Uh, hands-free moments, I call them. HFMs. But uh, I don't know. Knowledge is power. And, and we live in this beautiful time where you can get in the head of Tony Robbins. You can get in the head of Gary Vaynerchuk or oh, yeah. Tim Ferriss or 
anybody. If you like comedy, listen to Joe Rogan or whatever. Like, get a different perspective than waking up and doing the, having the same experience. And of the 80,000 st- thoughts a day, 90% of them are the exact same. Maybe change that a little bit. Maybe make it like 15% are new thoughts. That craziest part of it all. Um, right. And then, and you can fast forward through the ads like I do. I don't listen to the ads. Um, oh, no, neither. The good podcast people know you know how to place them where you can't you can fast forward pretty easily yeah yeah i'll get up from like in the middle of a workout and like go over and like fast forward because i just i can't stand it i don't like commercials but that's why we don't have commercials on the get wired podcast because we care about our listeners <laughs> that's right that's right i thought it was just your integrity you just refused <laughs> money for this yeah well i did have them at the very beginning we had our vendor of the month sponsor that's right. right that's right but uh I backed away from that because it was too much spill time at the beginning. Well, Travis, thank you for coming back around. You were on episode five, and now you're on episode 50 of the Get Wire podcast. Thanks All for, right, full circle. Thanks for being a part of it. And uh, the audio quality, I guarantee, is going to be a lot better on this one than, than the first one. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. I, I promise we're going to get this one started over here, and uh, you're definitely going to be one of the first guests. Yeah, anything I can do to help. Awesome, man. Okay. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day in sunny Miami. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Thank you, buddy. Bye.